Yesterday morning, Archbishop Laurie, who is our Metropolitan Archbishop, came to the cathedral to ordain two men to the diaconate for the Diocese of Arlington, Bishop Laverty still recovering from his recent surgery. Jordan Willard is the name of one. Stephen Vaccaro is the other new deacon for the diocese. As is so frequently the case, they were not only wished well, but they were congratulated on their being ordained, which always makes me cringe. I, I rather you would thank them for being willing to lay down their lives rather than congratulate them as though they won a prize. The diaconate ordination usually is the most jarring and disturbing of the events in the life of a future priest or of any priest already ordained, as it is the day of making the promise of celibacy. And it is that defining moment which really is the, de- the, the demarcation of before and after. When I was ordained 18 years ago with Father Fisher and Father Hudgens, even already being ordained deacons, there were a great deal of emotions leading up to priesthood ordination. Father Fisher had been studying at St. Charles and Father Hudgens in Mount St. Mary's. And for lack of the freedom to tell ethnic jokes, let me translate a joke into a story about a man named Hudgens and a man named Fisher and a man named Pollard. They were stranded on a desert island. Not, don't think of South Pacific paradise. Think of, you know, something in the middle of the Schuylkill River or, you know, just some miserable, awful, terrible place. And an angel appeared to them. An angel appeared to Hudgens, Fisher, and Pollard. And the angel said, I can grant you one wish. So there was time to think about it. And the angel first asked Hudgens, where, you know, what do you want? What's your wish? And Hudgens was born in Colorado and grew up in the Rockies. And he said, I want to be in Colorado. So boom, he was gone. Off in Colorado, perfectly happy. And then Fisher was asked, what do you want? When Fisher played Division I college baseball, he, he's a serious athlete, he instantly knew, I want to be at the Baseball Hall of Fame. So off, boom, he's gone. He's totally happy, exactly where, he's, where he wants to be. And then Pollard is the last one. And the angel asks Pollard, so where, you know, what do you want? What's your wish? And he says, well, I wish my friends were back with me. As we love God more and more, as we desire his company more and more, and as our imagination begins to work better and better, and we can have tastes and glimpses of heaven, we will not only desire that for ourselves, but desire that for those we love, desire that for everyone.
have that in the back of your mind when we recall the times when our Lord raised the dead. And can you imagine our Lord raising the dead when they are already in heaven and dragging them back into this valley of tears? Impossible. It's unthinkable. If there, if there's anything that could be described as cruel and unusual, it's removing someone from heaven and putting them back down here when they might not end up in heaven again. Now, granted, since we know our catechism and we know by which we are redeemed before the cross, no one went to heaven. To know Christ and to love him and to desire his company is necessarily a desire to leave this world and to be with him in heaven. If it has not yet become that, it's simply because our love for him has not blossomed as much as it can. I recall a last lesson that our father taught us. He died two years before I was ordained, so 20 years ago, but it was a year before I entered the seminary. So 23 years ago, he was in the hospital. Landing in the hospital just as I was visiting St. Michael's Abbey, the good Norbertine house in California, with my brother, already then, Father Marcus Pollard. So we knew we had to get back quickly. We cut short our trip, made a few necessary errands, and then drove completely legally from California to Virginia in 50 hours. Because in his brand new pickup truck under the cap, there was an air mattress, so one could sleep while the other was driving. I think we stopped at Denny's in St. Louis. Otherwise, it was just ramen noodles and coffee when we were stopping at the gas station. What was more memorable about that trip and that summer is being with dad in the hospital, learning that, oh, he had had a heart attack but didn't bother to tell anybody. And now a catheterization being required prompted conversations that made it quite evident that dad was not afraid to die. Dad was just simply afraid of pain. Already, it's jarring enough to know that your dad is ready to die. That's not something a 22-year-old wants to hear. And just to be clear, dad wasn't afraid of needles and little pains and sufferings. This is the same father who, in driving me back to Chicago for college with mom in the driver's seat and dad in the passenger seat, he allowed himself to be so packed in with boxes and packages that he broke his ankle and didn't tell anybody. A doctor discovered it about a week later. 
Dad wasn't afraid of pain the way we think of day-to-day pain. Dad was simply afraid of that pain that makes you do bad things. The pain that makes it impossible to pray or the pain that makes you sin. In reality, the only thing that dad was afraid of was committing a sin so that he wouldn't go to heaven. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to endure pain. But he knew full well that there is a pain that can make us do terrible things. That he wanted to avoid. A lesson in the prayer that begins, Our Father and ends, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our great spiritual father, St. Ignatius of Antioch, taught a similar lesson, his last letter. Sentenced to death and on his way to Rome, he sent word ahead of himself so that the faithful would not inadvertently do something harmful to him out of sentimentality. He wrote, Through my prayers I have been granted the favor of seeing you, my holy brothers, face to face, as indeed I have constantly asked. I now hope to embrace you as a prisoner in Christ Jesus, provided that it is God's will for me to be found worthy to the end. For a good start has been made, if only I may gain the grace to secure my prize without hindrance. For I fear that your love may harm me. It is easy for you to do as you wish, but hard for me to attain to God if you should not allow me to be martyred. I wish you to please God and not men, as indeed you are doing. I shall never again have such an opportunity to get to God, nor will you, if you keep silent, ever have the credit for a greater achievement. If you keep silent about me, I become a word of God. But if you love me in the flesh, I become a meaningless cry. Grant me no more than to be made a sacrifice to God while there is still an altar at hand. Thus you may form a choir of love and sing praise to the Father in Christ Jesus for so graciously summoning the Bishop of Syria from the sun's rising to come to the place of its setting. It is a fine thing for me to set with the sun, leaving the world and going to God, that I may rise in him. Those of you who were with us and Father Douglas Bazi about a month ago, visiting from Iraq, heard very, very similar words from him. Not wanting his church to ransom him, to save him from death. Knowing full well, as he told us, that any priest ordained in Iraq knows that he will not die a natural death. It's hard to imagine a church that has not known its martyrs. It's very difficult to identify a country other than our own for the time being whose government has not at one point in time imprisoned and executed Catholic priests. The Venerable English College in Rome has an altar specifically 
For those men in the 1600s and 1700s who, upon completion of their studies and ordination, knew that upon return to England, they would be killed. And their names are etched on the wall. As we desire the love of God more and more, as we imitate our martyrs who desire heaven above all, we will want to leave this world. And we will almost envy those who already have. And for those martyrs who have set the example for us, or future martyrs, we don't offer words of congratulation, but thanks to them. And thanks ultimately to the Lord for making it possible for our suffering and our death to give glory to God Almighty. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.